Thank you for that wonderful song. Thank you for all the music this morning. It's been wonderful. Take your Bibles, if you will, to the book of Ephesians chapter number two this morning. Ephesians chapter number two. Uh, Let me say to you uh, that are visiting with us today, thank you, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, It is uh, our honor and privilege that you are here and uh, visiting with us in this place. And Uh, We're so thankful that you've come back to church this week, and uh, as we are celebrating Back to Church Sunday, thank you for our choir and all the wonderful music uh, that has uh, been here this morning. Today, I want to speak to you uh, on the subject of God's redeeming grace, God's redeeming grace. You've heard a lot about grace this morning, and uh, so we're going to catalyst off of that and uh, look at some thoughts uh, uh, from Ephesians chapter number 2. Before I do that, though, um, I, I got an email this week and it had a, a couple of what I considered uh, uh, funny uh, grams. Now, you know I have a weird sense of humor, so if I don't get any laughs, it's okay. I was laughing in my office. So that's all right. Uh, there was one that said that there was a Sunday school teacher, and uh, she was teaching about how God created everything, including human beings. And uh, little Johnny was especially intent on the fact that God created human beings and how that Eve was born out of uh, Adam's rib or made out of Adam's rib. And so he came home, uh, this little Johnny came home and he was laying on the couch like he was ill. And his mom went to him and said, little Johnny, what's wrong? He said, I've got a terrible, terrible pain in my side. I think I'm having a wife. I don't know how you, uh, how you feel about that, uh, little Johnny having a wife. Uh, will you click the next slide for me, Tyler? Uh, that's uh, uh, where the, uh, it all kind of originated from. Uh, another little boy, uh, he was uh, talking, and uh, he, uh, he opened the, the big old Bible that they had in their home. And uh, as he opened the Bible, a leaf fell out of the Bible. And he ran to his mom with the leaf, and he's like, Mom, look what I found, look what I found. And she said, what'd you find, little boy? Son, little boy, listen to me, son, what'd you find? And she said, I found this leaf, I think it was Adam's suit. (laughs) Six-year-old Angie, and this is the last one, I promise, I'm telling you, I have a weird sense of humor, I'm sorry. Um, six-year-old Angie and her four-year-old brother were sitting in church one Sunday and uh, the little brother kept talking and fidgeting and, and giggling and, and, and laughing with his sister and she looked over at him and she said you are not supposed to talk so loud in church and he said why what's the preacher gonna do and she said turn around and look in the back those are called the hushers You'll get that next week, I promise. Um, I'm so glad that you uh, are here this morning, and I'm not going to be long. I just want to share a few thoughts with you from the Word of God. 
Uh, the truth is that God has a heart of love and a heart of grace for us. Not because of who we are, but because of who he is. It is his nature and his character, not only to love, but also to demonstrate that love. This morning, I want you to know more than anything, more than anything today, this is what I want you to know, is that if you feel like nobody loves you today, I want to change your mind because God loves you. The Bible says that God created me, God made me, and God made me just the very way that I am. He made me with my quirky sense of humor. He made you with everything that you have within you. And God knows exactly where you are at. And he loves you exactly where you are at. The Bible says that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God made me wonderful. Nobody else may think that, but God thinks that. And today I want you to know that God thinks that about you as well. His love for us is the driving force behind the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the very nature of God to love his creation and it is the reason today that we receive grace. Today I don't want to do anything else but encourage you as a congregation and as people that are here to know that the grace of God is extended to everyone and that the love of God is extended even further to everyone and if you're here today and you've never encountered Jesus Christ that I can promise you this that the moment that you come in contact with Jesus Christ, he will change your life forever. And not only will he change your life forever, but he will give you hope in this hopeless world. He will bring you light in this dark world. He is everything that you could ever need or want. That is the God that I serve. If you have your Bibles and you're able to stand with me, Ephesians chapter number two Ephesians chapter number 2, we're going to read the first nine verses. Ephesians chapter number 2, starting in verse number 1. The Bible says this, and I know that uh, if you're opening up your Bible today, maybe even for the very first time, that as we read this passage of Scripture, it may be difficult to understand. But don't worry, we'll take a few moments and explain it. The Bible says in verse number 1, And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sin, Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of uh, disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversations in time past, in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. I'm in verse number four. But God, I always love when a verse starts like that. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he had loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Jesus Christ. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Our Father in heaven, Lord, today I pray that you'll bless the reading of your word. Lord, I pray today that as we open up your word and look at the things that you have for us, Lord, I pray that we'll be encouraged. Lord, I pray that we'll be strengthened. Lord, I pray that uh, we will have hope and, 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 and understand the love of Jesus Christ before we leave this place today. 
Lord, I pray that you'll touch my lips and give me the words to say and touch those that are listening. I pray that you'll touch their ears as they listen and understand. And Lord, I pray that you will help us to relay in such a way that everyone will understand that it is the love of Christ that constraineth, that it is the love of Christ that giveth us all that we need and giveth, uh, giveth us the hope uh, of eternity in Jesus Christ. Lord, we love you. But most of all, we thank you for loving us. For it's in your precious and holy son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. If you're in the habit of taking notes, there's an outline on the back of your bulletin if you'd like to do that. Or you can just follow along. It'll be up here on the screen. Number one, I want to uh, just share with you about that redeeming grace. First of all, the payment of grace. The payment of grace. In our passage today, in verses 4 and verse uh, uh, number 5, the Bible says, But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherein he hath loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ by grace, are you saved? Can I tell you something this morning? Uh, just to kind of start everything off, grace is free. Grace is free. There is nothing that we can do to earn it. There's nothing that we can do to pay for it. Yet while it is free for us, Jesus Christ himself paid an exuberant price. He laid down his life as payment, making it possible for us to receive the grace of God. There is only one explanation for such a sacrifice, and that explanation is love. Can I tell you this morning that if you're sitting here today and you've never encountered Jesus Christ, can I tell you today that the reason that he uh, was sent to this earth to be born in a manger as we'll celebrate in a few months and lived 33 and a half years and then went to the cruel cross on Calvary and died a, a, a literal uh, uh, death amongst those that were murderers and thieves. And the reason that he did that is because he, he advanced some 2,000 years and he looked at 1,400 Cedar Street in Carrollton, Georgia, and he said there are people that need Jesus Christ, and today can I tell you that there is no greater love, there is no greater hope than that cross that is still alive today. That is the God that we serve. It is the grace that enables us to have the hope of eternity. First of all, I want you to know that there was a payment of Christ's love. There was a payment of Christ's love. There was a cost for that which we have today. The Bible says in John chapter 3 and verse number 16, if you've never been in church any time in your life, you probably know this verse, for God. I love this next word. You say, Pastor, that's a weird word to love in the middle of all this verse. The Bible says, for God so. He so loved the world. He loved the world so much. You, when, you, when you look up that word and you begin to study that word so, it is an infinite word. It is something that we cannot even begin to comprehend. He so loved the world. How much did he love the world that he gave? You know, I have three children. And, uh, uh, and, and those three children, I love them with all my heart. And I'll try to do anything I can for them. They'll come to me with those puppy eyes and they'll say, Daddy, I really want. Then they'll fill in the blank and I'll say, well, go put it on your Christmas list. And then they'll say, but Dad, everybody has it right now. <laughs> and I'll say, everybody? Yes, Everybody. I said, now wait a minute, you go to a really big school, how can everybody, oh dad, they do, they just have it. 
their mommy and daddy, they found it and they have it, daddy. You know what? As a father, honestly, and you can relate with this if you're a dad or a mom here today. Or, or, or even a human being of anyone that you love. You want to give people what they want. Why? Because it brings a joy and happiness to them. And it brings a joy and satisfaction to you. Look what it says. For God so loved the world that he gave. It brought happiness to God to give his son to satisfy the sin debts. It was a satisfaction that God gave his only begotten son. And then it says that whosoever. I love that word whosoever because I take that word and I like to take that whosoever. And I like to move it out of the way. And I like to make it personal. So I say that Lee, that's my name. That if Lee believeth in him should not perish or die but have everlasting life. Now you're going to look at me and you say, Pastor, wait a minute. Uh, uh, people pass away all the time. People, uh, it's going to happen. They're going to die. Can I tell you that if you are saved here today, the re- literal reality of it is, is that you really never die. You just change residences. When you take your last breath here on earth, it doesn't say, and now he had to wait. It says to be absent from the body, the last breath is to be present with the Lord. Which is where I'm going to spend my everlasting. He shall have everlasting life. Before you were born, born, God knew you. He loved you. Love is his very nature. It is who he is. That love explains why Christ died for you and me. He became a willing sacrifice so we could receive his grace. Now listen to me this morning because this is the, of paramount importance. This is the key to Christianity. This is the key to what I believe. Now I want you to understand something. I'm going to put a premise on this because you're going to say, Pastor, you're a pastor. And not only are you a pastor, but you're a Baptist pastor. Forget that I'm a Baptist for a moment and just realize that Baptist has nothing to do with my salvation. I'm going to throw, I, excuse the term, I'm going to throw the Baptist out the window for right now, all right? This is what it means, that Jesus Christ became the willing sacrifice for you and for me, and he is the only sacrifice that would have been acceptable. No other sacrifice is acceptable. They can crucify a hundred other people saying that they will bring salvation, and salvation would never come. Salvation is only through Jesus Christ. John 14, the Bible says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Then he says this, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. That's who Jesus is. So 1 John chapter 4 and verse number 8, the Bible says, He that loveth not knoweth not God. Why? For God is what? God is love. He is love. He is who we are. Because of that love, in Romans chapter 5 and verse number 8, the Bible says, But God commendeth, that word commendeth means showed, but God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ 
died for us. Pastor, could you tell us uh, 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 why that the Bible wants to call us yet sinners? Uh, I, I feel like I, I do things the best way I can. I feel like that, that I, I, I help people and I do this and I do that. How, how can I relate as a sinner? The truth of the matter is, is that because of Adam and Eve's sin in the garden, we're all born sinners. Every single one of us. You say, Pastor, can you prove it? Sure. I have three boys, as I just told you a few minutes ago. When they were born, oh, they were cute. You ever been to the little nursery and all the little babies lined up, you know, and you walk in there and you're like, ooh, and ah, and oh. You bring that baby into the room with mom, and you're sitting there, and all of a sudden mom starts talking, and that baby is in that little bassinet thing over there, and all of a sudden that baby hears mom's voice, and it opens its mouth too, and it's like, That baby's not hungry. He's not cold. There's nothing wrong with him. You know what he wants? He wants attention. He just wants somebody to hold him. Then they grow up. And one day, they smack their brother. And you watched it happen. And you walk over to them and you say, Did you hit your brother? Now, I just watched you hit your brother. Did you hit your brother? Look at me in my eyes. Did you hit your brother? But, 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 dad. He smacked my leg. I said, I didn't ask you about him smacking your leg. Did you hit him? Now, I didn't go to my son and say, let me teach you how to lie. Did you teach your children how to lie? I hope not. It is a natural thing to do. You've got to teach them how not to lie. In our home, the rule is this. If you tell me the truth, the punishment might be less. You tell me a lie, and it's probably going to escalate. Because I like the truth. And the truth of the matter is, is that we were all born sinners And because of that, Jesus Christ went to the cross and he died for each one of us. Knowing that we fall short of his glory and perfection, God loves us anyway. Even though God loves us, our sin separates us from him because nothing short of perfection can come into his presence. Our sin is why the payment of Christ's love is required. And I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for the cross today. I'm thankful for what Jesus Christ did for me. Let her be. A payment of Christ's blood. Now you say, Pastor, wait a minute. We just talked about the death of Jesus Christ. Why, why do we need to talk about the blood? Because I'm afraid that many people have stopped talking about the blood. They have taken the blood out of salvation. They have tried to even remove the blood from the word of God. I've got a big problem with that. Because my Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. There is no way I can be saved without the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And that that payment of Christ's blood was the ultimate payment. It was the ultimate sacrifice for us. 
First Peter chapter 1 says, For as much as you know that you are not redeemed with corruptible things, the silver and gold, for your vain conversations received by traditions of your fathers. Look what verse number 19 said. But with the precious blood of Christ, as a lamb without blemish or without spot. It's the blood. Jesus not only said he loved us, But he voluntarily went to the cross of Calvary to shed his blood for our salvation. Nothing less than perfect, precious blood of of God's Son could serve as an atonement for sin that would afford us forgiveness and afford us grace. It's because of the blood. Romans chapter 3, one of the most... Uh, uh, really forthcoming verses in all the Bible when it comes to salvation. The Bible simply says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation. That word means a satisfactory payment through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remissions of sins that are passed through the forbearance of of God. God made the payment of salvation satisfactory through Jesus Christ. He is all that we need. Number two, and I'm going to be quick, the power of grace. The power of grace. Look with me in verse number eight in our passage today. The Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift God. There is power in the grace of God. The power of grace has a miraculous impact on our relationship with God. We do not always appreciate that power because we fail to grasp the enormity of our sin in God's eyes. Our our sin is enormous and we fail sometimes to realize how much grace has been given and granted to us as Christians uh, uh, and the grace that has been bestowed upon us. You say, Pastor, what does that word grace mean? Someone once said, it's God's riches at Christ's expense. It is the fact that I'm going to get that which I do not deserve, which is heaven, because of the grace of Jesus Christ. Grace bridges that immense gulf between us and God, allowing us into his holy presence. We do not deserve heaven. None of us deserve heaven or the forgiveness of sins, but we receive both by grace when we come into a relationship with Jesus Christ and are saved. He has the power to redeem us. This morning, I want you to know there's hope. There's hope because he has the power to redeem us. Being justified, Romans chapter 3, freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. That word redemption means to be bought back. What exactly does it mean to be saved? To be saved is to be forgiven of our sin, redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. I love this thought. Redemption is the release that follows the payment of ransom. None of us could ever pay the debt that we owe of sin. But I want you to know this morning as we stand here uh, on September the 20th, 2015, that debt has been paid. Man, oh man, can you imagine? Can you imagine what it must have been like on that day? As the angel stood and Mary and the other Mary went to the tomb and there stood the angel 
And, and he said, fear not. Don't be afraid. He's not here. For he is risen. Just as he said he would. And I can almost... If you don't know me, you're going to have to excuse me for a moment. I have a very vivid imagination. But I could almost imagine God the Father in heaven. As that third day, Jesus got up out of that grave and he arose. I can almost imagine God the Father with a big stamp in his hand and sin in his lap. As he takes that stamp and he puts it on that paper and he says it's paid in full because of my son Jesus Christ. Now listen to me this morning. There is no other payment that is possible. There is nothing that I can do to obtain salvation. It's already been done. Through Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 1 is our passage. In whom we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins. According to the riches of his grace. The forgiveness that we received is a measure of the riches of his grace. Such an extravagant gift can be given only by someone with unlimited resources. Because the blood of Jesus is eternal and it's incorruptible. It is sufficient. It is, excuse me. It is a sufficient payment For the sin of everyone who accepts Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. You look at me this morning and you say, Pastor, you don't know my background. You don't know the things I've been involved with. You don't know the thing where I've been. There is no way, there is no way possible that God would love me. There is no way possible that that grace could be extended to me. Let me tell you something this morning. You're wrong. Because the grace of God covers all. It covers everything. The blood of Jesus Christ is still flowing today. And no matter what sin is in your life, he is there to cover it by the blood. That's the God I serve. He is a wonderful, wonderful Savior. He has the power to reclaim us. He has the power to reclaim us. That idea of redemption. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God, as we just mentioned just a moment ago, has set forth to be a propitiation, a satisfactory payment through faith in his blood. When we become saved, God declares us righteous. He declares us, the Bible talks about it, being justified. That word justified can be transliterated or the thought process of just as if I've never sinned. He makes me white as snow. He cleans me from the inside out. Let me tell you something this morning. I'm not interested in cleaning anybody from the outside in. Right? Let Jesus clean them from the inside out. And then they'll be clean forever. That's the God we serve. He has the power to renew us. He has the power to renew us. For the grace of God, Titus chapter 2, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. That's who we are once we get saved. How and why? Because we're looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Look at me, church, for a moment. I promise you I'm almost done. Look at me for a moment. Jesus is coming soon. 
I wish I had time to share with you all the things as you look at the prophetic events that are beginning to happen in our nation. On Wednesday nights, we're studying the book of Revelation, and we're doing it on purpose because it's an exciting time that we live in. We're beginning to watch everything unfold right in front of us. And I believe with all my heart that we may be very well in the last days. And because we're in the last days, we have a mission. And our mission is not to sit in our chair. Our mission is to go reach those that need Jesus Christ. Why? Because we're looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. He is there to renew us. God's grace changes us from the inside out. It changes what we want and how we live. Grace is not just about giving us eternal life. It's also works in our lives to conform us to the image of his son. Number three, and I'm done. The partaking of his grace. Verse number eight and verse number nine. You said, Pastor, you've given us the formula. How do we, how do we gravitate to it? How do, we, how do we get to it? For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. The Bible tells us that grace is offered to everyone, but not everyone receives the gift. So how can God's grace become a reality in our lives? First of all, by faith. By faith. Everything that we do in our life is by faith. And more than anything, our salvation is a faith-based salvation. It is faith in who Jesus Christ. Titus chapter number 3. But after that, the kindness and the love of God, our Savior toward men, appeared. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done. But according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Which he shed on, his, uh, on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. That being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. I don't know about you this morning, but I'm looking forward to the idea of the hope of eternal life and that one day that all of this in our life is going to be over and I'm going to step over on the other side and I'm going to meet my Savior face to face. Why? Not because of me, but because of what he's done in me. Before we can receive God's grace, we must acknowledge that we have sinned. Realize that Jesus made the payment for our sins by shedding his blood on the cross and through faith accept that payment to receive eternal life. We can do nothing to earn God's favor. We must simply believe his promise and receive his grace. Could I put it to you this way? Faith is the trigger that releases grace in our lives. Faith is the trigger that releases grace in our lives. Faith is, and, and I want you to get this, and I, I think this is a, a pivotal point, especially in today's world. Faith is not just an intellectual knowledge of the events of Christ's life. I, I talk to people all the time, and they can tell me about how Jesus was, how he died, and how he buried, and how he rose again, and they can tell me about how they go to church, and all these things, but knowledge is not the answer. You see, if faith it is a transaction, uh, and Jesus called it being born again, when we step beyond the knowing to the accepting of his sacrifice, we exchange our sin for Christ's righteousness. It's not just a head knowledge. 
It's got to get all the way to your heart for it to take place. And then by faith in Christ's work, you say, Pastor, that was the last point. Well, there's one more word. Alone. Alone. It's only through him. Receiving God's grace only happens when we simply trust his work instead of our works. Grace will never come to a heart that is not fully settled faith on him and nothing else. Romans chapter 11 and verse number 6. And if by grace, then it is no more works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. You say, Pastor, that's confusing. Listen, this is what it means. Forget the idea that you need to do all these things to get saved. Just realize that it's by grace through faith. That's all we need to know today. It's a gift that he gives to us. Because God has such love for us, he has provided through grace a plan, both for our eternal life and for our temporal lives. Only through faith in Jesus' sacrifice for our sins is his grace applied to our lives. And here's the truth. Though grace is free to us, a very high price was paid. In order to redeem us, to reclaim us, and to renew us. So here's the question today. What have you done with God's grace? Have you received it? Have you activated it in your life? Can I tell you, he's waiting with open arms for you today to receive you. If I could put it very simply to you, the first thing we have to do is We have to realize that we're a sinner. None of us want to realize that, but that's the truth. Once the realization is that we are a sinner, the next thought that has to happen is that we need a Savior. And we have one in Jesus Christ. I'm going to close with this. When I was growing up, I did some lifeguarding. And... As you watch a lifeguard, as they sit in their little seat, and they're looking down, most of them have some type of instrument that they carry with them as a flotation device. And they're constantly watching. And then as they look amongst the crowd, they're looking for several things. They're checking out where the strong swimmers are, those that they don't have to be that concerned about. Then they're looking for those that are very weak swimmers, that are kind of staying in the shallow end. But like any child, they're pushing the limits a little bit to see how far they can go before the water gets over their head. Then the third thing they're looking for is they're looking for the boys that are climbing all over each other's heads and trying to drown each other. And that lifeguard's up there, and he's looking at all of that. And he's processing it in his mind as he goes from person to person. And he begins to memorize where people are. He begins to look and he says, oh yes, little girl with blonde hair. Oh yes, little boy over here. Yes, the little girl over here. Oh yes, the dad is right there next to his son. And he begins to analyze the water. And then he begins to focus on the trouble spots. And then all of a sudden... He looks, and the little boy that was right there is gone. And he begins to frantically look throughout the pool, 
And he begins to look diligently for this little boy, and he can't find him anywhere. And so the next thing you see is that lifeguard take a leap from his chair, and he hits the water. And immediately when that happens, everybody stops. Because lifeguards do not like to get wet, in case you haven't met them. He hits the water. All you see is his flotation device on top of the water. And then the next thing you see is he pulls this little boy up. And he grabs onto the flotation device. And everyone around him begins to clap and cheer. And then all of a sudden you hear a frantic mom screaming for her child. And the lifeguard immediately recognizes the scream and turns and takes the child to the mom or the dad. And the mom turns to the lifeguard. And she gives him a big hug. And she says, thank you for saving my child. This morning, and I tell you, Jesus is sitting at the right hand of his father. And he's looking down. And he's looking out. And he's analyzing. He said, I'm thankful that this person over here is saved today. I'm thankful that this person over here is saved today. And then he began to look and he looked and he said, there's the lost one. He said, somebody, please. Jump in the water and go after them. This morning, I am not your lifeguard. All I can do is throw you a flotation device, which is the word of God. But can I tell you something? That whenever you open your arms to Jesus Christ... And I tell you, just as if a lifeguard did, all of a sudden they'll be clapping in heaven. They'll be rejoicing because the Bible says at at the very very moment that someone accepts Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, the angels in heaven rejoice. And can I tell you that there's someone in this room that's been praying for you, and that when you go and tell them what God has done in your life, they may scream, they may get excited. Because what do they know? They know that now you've been saved from an eternal place called hell. Because of grace. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning? Thank you so much for listening so well.